Hello there, and welcome to the Comic Book Tesseract, the only comic setcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm Jason Polia. Join me as I review and preview the world of comics along with other facets of geek sheet culture. Not going to explore too far into the world of comics today. I will touch on a movie. I'm sure you probably know what it is by now. Uh, but we'll go ahead and jump right into uh, some DC comic book reviews with Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. I'm going to actually kind of review these together because they are in fact written by the same person, Robert Vendetti, uh, with different artists, Billy Tan on Green Lantern and Van Jensen on Green Lantern Corps. But because they're being written by the same person, they are actually two different sides of the same coin, at least at the beginning here. Now, this is issue 21 for both comics. It's the relaunch of Green Lantern after Jeff John's momentous nine-year run. Uh, and, of course, there's been other uh, artists and writers working on it with him, uh, mainly in uh, other writers in Green Lantern Corps and Green Lantern New Guardians. But now they're turning this over to uh, Robert Vendetti to do the two core Green the two primary books, uh, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, and they're still, and they're going to be having a third writer who's going to be doing the New Guardians book. Uh, these books are very closely tied together. Events that occur in one are referenced or actually seen in the other book. So you can see how closely they're tied together. Uh, and the story actually is a really good starting point for somebody uh, that isn't necessarily familiar with Green Lantern. Uh, there's not, it's not a great jump on point, but it's solid enough because it's a rebuilding point both for the core and for the books. Because there are going to be a lot of people that aren't sure if they're going to stay with these books now that Johns is off as the lead writer for the, for this section of the DC universe. Uh, and Vendetti's done a wonderful job, uh, kickstarting this, uh, had a wonderful time reading both, uh, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. He's got a great idea of where this is going, and yeah, the, the stories you know are beginning of arcs. So these are definitely going to be uh, multi-issue arcs, uh, which is fairly typical for most comics now. Uh, and they yeah, are focusing. Green Lantern focuses mainly on Hal Jordan, and it looks like he's got a new role within the core, and they're going to focus on him fulfilling this role as well as trying to be the solo, independent person that he's always wanted to be. So it'll be interesting to see his personal uh, wants and desires conflict with his sense of duty to the core. Uh, and then Green Lantern Corps focuses on Jon Stewart, and actually F Fatality, one of the uh, Star Sapphires, has been another key player in this book up to now. Uh, introduce introducing a new enemy in this book, uh, whereas Green Lantern, it's an enemy that's been seen before. Uh, so, uh, but the core traditionally has focused on some of the other lanterns outside of just the primary Earth lanterns, such as Jon Stewart. So hopefully we'll get to see, and it looks like they have, at least in bringing in some new recruits. As I said, this is a beginning point. They're bringing in new recruits into the Green Lantern core. You see that occurring in uh, both books, actually. And it'll be interesting to see you know, where where he actually uh, decides to split these, how how different they're going to become, aside from the basic story, how they'll be affecting the core. Uh, one of the things that I really liked previously was core centered around a bunch of different lanterns, new guardians centered around a lantern from each of the different cores, the you know, the different cores of light, the different types of rings. Uh, guardians had one of each. 
and then uh, Green Lantern focused on Hal. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they're going to keep those delineations or if they're going to cross over a bit more with both Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps focusing a lar- in large part on the core itself and have the, the primary characters interacting with a lot of the aliens. Because different people like different stories, which was what was nice when they originally relaunched this. If you wanted Hal, Hal Jordan on Earth, um, at least at the very beginning, that's what you got. Eventually he went out, and but it was Hal Jordan out on his own. Uh, although Sinestro was a big part of that, but there's a uh, antagonistic relationship between the two, so it worked. Uh, core again focused on the core itself. Uh, and, uh, then you had New Guardians with Kyle Rayner out there, uh, with other lanterns. So you had three different versions of the Green Lantern universe to look at it from three different sides. We'll see if they keep that going. But they're off to a great start, at least with these two issues. So if you're looking for a jump on point for Green Lantern, this is uh, definitely a good starting point. Uh, maybe not if you have no familiarity with the character. You may want to go back and, uh, pick up Rebirth. That'll familiarize you with some of the stuff. It's the beginning of John's run, but it'll familiarize you with Green Lantern uh, if you're not familiar with it at all. And then uh, if you want to just kind of jump in with both feet, even if you're not that familiar, or if you know and you've been looking for a jump on point, this is definitely it for both books. Uh, another issue number 20 out this week is Batman. This is uh, Snyder and Capullo uh, continuing to work. With Year Zero, it's the launch, again, another jumping on point. It's the beginning of a new storyline. takes place during Batman's first year, actually, beginning year, I guess. Uh, takes place even before his first year as Batman. It's his early year where he's still figuring things out on how to be Batman. Uh, you know, they've, they've had Year One. Those have been successful stories in the past, particularly Batman Year One was a huge success. Uh, year Zero is a big story arc that's going to be taking place inside the Batman title. So if you've been looking for a jump on point in Batman, which has been DC's top selling book, this is the place. You know, if you're a Batman fan, this is the best Batman book on the shelf right now. Um, gonna take this moment to bridge out of DC to another book that Snyder is working on. Uh, Snyder and Sean Murphy have done The Wake. Uh, this is put out by Vertigo. It's a, it's a 10 issue miniseries. It's the first issue, and the first I've seen from Vertigo in quite a while that's really struck my interest. Uh, Vertigo is DC's uh, more adult and uh, used for uh, creator-owned properties. Uh, this is, you know, a very interesting book. It actually seems to be taking place both in a future time and a current timeline, uh, and you know, we'll have to see how they... F- switch back and forth and uh, if you weren't able to pick up from the wake you know it deals with water and oceans and in, in this case actually uh, it follows a uh, scientist as she's recruited to help the government in uh, a secret project having to do with the oceans as she's a marine biologist and there are several other scientists with different uh, facets uh, and they're all brought in to research. Um, and I'm not going to reveal too much other other than that because uh, yeah, that's really what the book is. I don't want to spoil the entire book. It, it's Snyder doing what Snyder does, just telling a great story. Um, he's 
one of the best writers out there, and certainly The Wake is worth picking up. Uh, Going to talk about another uh, writer that I really enjoy now um, from IDW, and that's Joe Hill. He's got a new book out, Thumbprint. It's uh, book one of what I believe is a three-issue miniseries, so you're not going to get stuck too deep in this if you pick it up. Uh, previously, Joe Hill's done The Cape, as well as he's had uh, Lock and Key, which is uh, an amazing uh, ser- series. It's uh, seven six-part stories that make up the Lock and Key, and absolutely worth it. Go pick up a hardcover of Volume 1 right now, and you'll get addicted. Uh, so with that, uh, with Lock and Key winding down, he's gone ahead and had Thumbprint uh, kick out as a three-issue mini. This is actually a short story by Joe Hill, uh, adapted by Sierra Mella, which uh, Sierra Mella has done a couple of other adaptations of Joe Hill's work. The premise of Thumbprint is a you know, military veteran returns from being a guard at Abu Ghraib and is haunted by the deeds that she did there and receives and begins to wonder what's going on when she finds a thumbprint uh, continuously being uh, delivered to her house and is wondering who's delivering it and what the purpose is. This, I think, probably worked a bit better as a short story. I enjoyed it. I'm going to be picking up the other books. Uh, this one focused a lot on the past. It gives you a little bit to try and snag you in in the future. Uh, in, in the current timeline of the thumbprint showing up as the soldier's home, but spent a lot of time showing you what was going on, what she was a part of at Abu Ghraib. So, um, it's definitely an adult book. Uh, if you're a little squeamish, it may not be the book for you. Yeah. I did enjoy it, but I, I think the fact that this was done as a short story meant it was difficult to adapt for a yeah, comic book, and I think that's showing in that it doesn't have its hooks as deep into me as I'd like it to. Yeah. Uh, it is a wonderfully done adaptation, but they may have been better off making this a trade paperback and just releasing it as a, as a one-shot trade paperback of all three issues rather than trying to split it up. I think the pacing would have done better, and they would have been able to get their hooks in a little bit stronger. Lastly, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to switch back to DC Comics and talk about two more comics. Uh, one was Adventures of Superman and the other is Superman Unchained. Uh, the, uh, Adventures of Superman is a, uh, online first and, uh, print version of the online stories and it's an anthology, which means it's a collection of different stories by different writers, different authors. Uh, I've loved this, what they've been doing with this in Batman. They've got a very, they've got, a similar Batman book, Legends of the Dark Knight. It's uh, right next to Batman. It's my favorite book. Out, it's my second favorite Bat book out there because it's almost as good as, as Snyder's Batman has been. Uh, Adventures of Superman didn't impress me quite as much, but these are out of continuity stories. So if you prefer the older Superman with his underwear on the outside of his clothes, those stories are in here. Uh, these are well-told stories. Uh, you're not always going to get the best stories in an anthology, but usually 
because they're smaller, because they don't have to be part of a larger scheme, they don't have to fit in with what's going on in the rest of the universe. Again, some of these are pre-52 stories. Because of that, they can just go, this is a good story and let me tell it. And they take the time and that they need to tell the story, whether it's a short story or a longer story. They have those options available to, available to them. Uh, so I'm going to be picking up Adventures of Superman for a little while. I find it to be, you know, even if it's inconsistent with the stories, it's going to be, I feel better than what they're putting out with action and Superman right now. Uh, the other Superman book out right now, uh, Superman Unchained, it's a number one. This has got an all-star team with Scott Snyder and Jim Lee. Yeah, let's take a look at that. Batman, The Wake, and Superman Unchained, all Scott Snyder books. Uh, so uh, Scott Snyder working with Jim Lee, who is uh, one of the co-publishers for DC Comics and all-star artist from the 90s, uh, actually worked on uh, Batman, all, all-star Batman when DC was putting that out with Frank Miller. Uh, so this is also beginning the 75th anniversary of Superman. This story was really good. I enjoyed what they did here. They did have a gimmick in the book, which was a four-panel pa- four fold-out mini-poster that actually was part of the story. Unfortunately, it detracted from the experience of reading the book because you have to tear it out of the book and unfold it to try and read it, which is just annoying. And then you've got to worry that it's going to fall out or you know, going to get lost if you don't have it in a bag with the comic itself. So... Uh, I did read in an interview that Jim Lee said it was a logistics nightmare and they're probably never going to do anything like it again. So there's that going for it. But it, it you know, just feels so out of place in this book. Uh, it's nice to have that big, beautiful art. Jim Lee does great work and to be able to have it big and blown up like that. It, the unfortunate thing is it takes away from the experience of reading the comic book of turning the page, a gatefold is a much better way of bringing that in because you can bring it and open it. You can get a four-panel gatefold. The left panel flips open on one side, the right page flips open on the other side, and then you get a nice, big, long, widescreen shot that won't work for everything. This unfolds like your standard poster fold, you know, so it opens left to right, then top to bottom. And But back to the actual uh, events in this, this is... Definitely taking place in the New 52. There are elements that we see appearing in the background along with this, references. Uh, but Snyder's got a good story going on here. And, uh, you know, it's a good start for a series that is going to be taking the place of both Superman and Action Comics for me. So, uh, looking forward to big things from this book. Definitely worth checking out. If you want a Superman book and haven't had anything to read, that's the book to read. Um, and then uh, going to go ahead and take that as a jump-off point and head on over to Man of Steel, the Superman movie that just came out starring Henry Cavill as Superman, the Man of Steel himself. Uh, some of some people have heard rumors that they don't call him Superman in the movie. They do. It's very brief. It's for a moment. And... Uh, you know, they actually play on a couple of expectations. Uh, there's one point where you expect Lois to call him Superman, and she doesn't. Uh, so there's that. I like what they did with the Lois character. 
they had her, you know, taking initiative. She was a major character in pushing the plot forward. She wasn't just a side character and she wasn't reckless. She did take risks, but she wasn't reckless. And, you know, it, it showed that she was intelligent. Uh, I love the story and the script that this movie had. I disliked the execution. It was dark. It was gloomy. They, uh, had some, uh, yeah, a lot of people have said they felt it had, uh, iconography comparing Superman to Jesus. And while I did see some religious iconography, I didn't see that entirely, yeah, that comparison at least didn't work for me, which I'm glad because that would have made it worse of, of a story for me. But it was a dimmer, darker movie and, you know, some people called it grittier. Overall, yeah, there were some plot holes, particularly at the beginning, that I didn't like. But uh, once they left Krypton, it got better. It made sense uh, for a lo- lot of it. And, you know, again, there's always going to be plot holes and people can nitpick the movie apart. But for the large picture, you know, the, the large aspect of this, they did a wonderful job in, you know, creating characters, creating motives, and having some underlying themes uh, that were pertinent. Uh, you know, the uh, the other uh, big change that they kind of did, at least for me, was uh, they turned Jimmy Olsen into Jenny Olsen. And the character was pretty useless throughout the story. And so I dislike the change. I think the relationship that you get between Superman and Jimmy is a different relationship. You know, part of that also depends on the age that you make Jimmy. If Jimmy was a, you know, young, early teenager, like he's been in some of the earlier Superman stories, then it's a big brother, maybe even fatherly relationship that you can have there. If he's older, but still a young reporter compared to, you know, Lois and Clark, he's just starting compared to their experience levels, then you can still have a, you can have a big brother relationship with him. Um, and it, it changes to a more of a close friendship, uh, with Jenny. Uh, there's, well, you can have a friendship. Yeah. Relationships get different between, uh, guys and women. Uh, some people say that they, that guys can't be friends with women. I disagree with that sentiment, but I think it is a different relationship that a guy has with a girl than a guy has with a guy. So you really are playing with Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. I think you're changing that when you make it Jenny. Especially when she had what amounted to be a damsel in distress role in this movie, uh, rescued by Perry. Some people may have brought up that Perry was black. I love that. I think it's a great change. I think it's, you know, Perry was white because that was a sign of the times. And I think it's great that we're able to be progressive and move on with that. I like that. Uh, there were a lot of name drops and references. So if you're a fan of Superman, uh, there's that bigger world around him, you know, the rest, you see members of the rest of the planet staff that are there. There's a truck labeled with Lex, Lex Corp. So even if Lex isn't in, wasn't in this movie, uh, you'd have references to him. Um, I'm not going to say whether Lex is or is not in the movie. I'm just saying that uh, they do reference Lex Corp and you get that idea of larger worlds and beings uh, of it being larger than just here's the quick story that we're telling. Unfortunately, it was a darker movie, and it didn't have that element of hope 
that the Superman character tends to have and really needs. Yeah. The score by Hans Zimmer never had that, you know, ballad, you know, that, that moment where you hear the horns and it sends that shiver up your spine of, of happiness and hope and cheeriness, you know, that you hear when the Superman, when that big theme comes on and that build and, and you know, you know, that he's here, you know, John Williams has done a marvelous job of that, of kind of creating these little personal themes with, you know, everything from, you know, Darth Vader's March, Superman's theme, indie, they're distinctive and you, you know exactly, you know, who or what you're, you're listening to or watching and it, it brings an emotional feel and sense with it. And while Hans does have some of that, he never brings that hope, that joy, that sense of, you know, the big answer is here. I never got that sensation uh, from the score. Uh, and then lastly, the part that I think was worst executed was I'm pretty sure they hired the team from Mortal Kombat with consultation by Michael Bay for the fight scenes. The fight scenes were atrocious in this. Uh, they became hard to follow. They were mostly CG and you know, you you felt like you were watching mortal like a mortal combat style video game the injustice video game if you if you want the dc video game you know the action just didn't work for me as an actual fight scene and you know they tried to make it an action movie they had a big they had an action set piece in the beginning which was actually decent then they you know broke and had you know superman and and his early experiences, they kind of, they didn't give you this straight, you know, he arrives, he grows up, element that you had like in the Christopher Reeve first Superman movie, you didn't have a straight chronological, they showed you what he was out doing in the world, and as part of that, they would flash back to show you different elements that may have related to what he was currently doing before he's discovered, um, and before he becomes Superman. Uh, they do change up his origin. Uh, nothing that I would consider sacrilege. It is different. I like how they did it, and it worked for the story. Uh, and uh, uh, there's just some elements of it um, that I think people that are, you know, nitpicky are going to be upset about. I liked how they did it. I liked the way that they told this story. Uh, I just wish, you know, it had been a bit happier and I wish they'd have gotten somebody that knew what they were doing to do the special effects and didn't try and make it look like Transformers for the explosions and following of the action. So, again, I love the script, love the story, like the back, you know, everything that was done in the background, the casting, you know. But when it comes down to the execution, the look of the film, there, there was one part where I'm looking at it going, Zod is talking. But I'm not sure if I'm looking at a human or if this is actually computer generated. They had done such a bad job. You know, it looked so processed that it didn't look like you were looking at a person's face talking. It looked like it was computer generated. And it was just a simple close up on a face. It was nothing that should have been computer generated. It's one thing if it kind of looks that way in the middle of an action set, but this was just Zod standing there talking in a close up. And when it went back to, Superman, you know, both of them very much felt like they'd been so over-processed they were actually 
computer generated and weren't actually actors. At, you know, that's bad. That takes you out of the movie. And the fight scenes were just atrocious. Uh, overall, it, it's worth seeing. I, I have a hard time saying you have to go see this in a theater. I see, I saw nothing in the movie that made me go, Oh, I want to see what this is like in 3D. I don't think it is a 3D movie. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's worth seeing in 3D. Um, catch a matinee. I, I don't know that. Yeah. If you're a Superman fan, go see it in the theaters. Yeah. If you're a big comic book movie fan, sure, go see it in the theaters. I, do, I feel like if you like Transformer style action sequences, go see it in the theaters. But, you know, for being an, an action movie, it, it fell flat for me. I was getting bored during some of the action sequences. And I think they needed to end it before they did. They could have cut out quite a bit of the fight scenes. They could have, yeah. But, yeah, I'm not sure that you have to go see it unless you're a big, big fan of Superman and of comic book movies in theaters. Uh, if not, you know, wait and get it on video. Particularly if you've got a good system at home, it'll be worth it. I don't know that it's a must-see in the theater, which is kind of sad. And, yeah, DC just can't get their shit together when it comes to making movies, unfortunately. And I'm I'm sure some of that is the Warner Brothers executives that pile in there and are trying to make the movie work as well. Yeah, the best news is, is that, you know, apparently they've got enough word of mouth that they uh, have already kicked the sequel into gear to try and get that made, so... Uh, I'm glad to hear that's happening. Uh, hopefully they'll kind of bring in that ray of hope. Um, and when that Superman theme kicks in from the old, from the old Chris Reeves movies, it brought a sense of hope to what you were about to, yeah, that, yeah, hope was on the way. Hope was coming. Superman was here. And, yeah, so hopefully we'll, uh, get that back in the second movie, in the second Man of Steel or Superman, whatever they're going to call it. So, yeah. This may be the last movie, uh, or the last comic book Tesseract that I'm going to put out. Um, if I get some interest from some people to join me, uh, so that we can have a bit more conversation, then I'll probably, then, uh, go ahead and keep it on your feeds and we'll throw them out there. If we have something we think that's really important for you guys to know, we'll go ahead and do one. And, uh, maybe we'll get back into the swing of releasing these on a regular schedule. But, uh, for now, uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. If you do want to go ahead and get a, then contact us. You can find all of our contact information at about.me slash comic book tesseract. That's about.me slash comic book tesseract. Our website, uh, comicbooknerd.com, our Facebook, Google+, Twitter, email, phone number to text us or leave us a voicemail. All of that is there. All of that is available for you to get a hold of us at about.me slash comic book tesseract. Yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this and maybe we'll be able to bring it back to you. Uh, have a little fun with this again in the future. And until then, I'll see you next time we step inside the Tesseract.